Yo, what is up, guys? Welcome back to Tag Team Pokemon Trading Card Games Premier Podcasting Trio. My name is Riley Holbert, joined as always by my awesome friends, JW Crewall and Andrew Mahone. <laughs> JW, thumbs up. He loves that his name's coming out first. How's everyone doing today? I'm just saying you got the order. You got the... It's just... It just I, I feel like it comes out a little smoother. That's all. I'm okay with being the caboose. That's fine. Chronologically, I was the third member uh, of the group. So I, I feel like that's okay. Also, you know, uh, my ego is not easily, easily damaged. So I think that uh, I'm, I'm okay being the third in the group. That's fine. What's it like? <laughs> well, you would know, right? Because <laughs> you were last week. Well, I, I'm saying what's it like to not have your ego easily damaged? Oh, uh, I see. I see. Uh, yeah, you yeah. wouldn't know that. <laughs> No, you wouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> Fun stuff. Well, hey guys. Uh, regardless of whether your name is first or last, we got Pittsburgh this coming weekend. The 2023 season is full throttle right ahead of us. So I know everybody here is excited about Poke. We're just having an impassioned conversation about mm-hmm. Poke pre podcast. So. I mean, who here doesn't feel like full steam ahead, I suppose? Because I'm feeling excited to get this season on the road. Yeah, Definitely. me too. Yeah. yeah. 1,800 player regional, the biggest regional of all time, just to kick things off. I mean, my goodness. And I talk about this a lot. I think this is going to be a lot of players' first regional championships. I mean, I think that there's just like a high turnover with people who kind of dip their toes in or like get into Pokemon TCG, go to a regional or two, and then just like, you know, sell their deck and call it quits. Yeah. And it's like, it's kind (laughs) of this revolving door. We always got new players coming in, especially at the beginning of the season. You see new players get hyped. You see people buying their first deck, you know, and things like that. And I wonder if, I wonder if the game is getting to a place where we're going to see less player turnover and player burnout uh, than in years past. And if we're just going to see numbers start to increase and grow with players staying, right, rather than, you know, just kind of coming in and, and leaving. Yeah, I mean, the the higher prize money, especially, like, makes it Ooh. much more sustainable as well, right? You know, you, you slam a top 32 at your local regional. And even, if that's the only regional you play that year, you know, you're probably up. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, yeah, that that makes sense to me. And the excitement for the game is just. I am honestly surprised that the game has has continued to be on the up, not in a bad way, but I feel like there was such a hype coming out of COVID and the fact that the, the game has still managed to capture that energy and still grow so rapidly is really, really impressive to me. Like, I would not have predicted that a year ago. And the regional entry fees continue to grow. Did you guys pay for Toronto today? Well, I'm I am not going to not Toronto. Going. Yeah, You're, yes. you guys are not going. You're the only one at Toronto, man. What what is going on? Why are you? Is there some other? You guys are climbing Mount Fuji again, or what? <laughs> yeah, we'll be there <laughs> on top of the mountain. Well, JW, uh, it sounds like you're not going to be attending the Halloween party. party. Oh, yeah. the Halloween party. Oh, I, I, you I signed up without even thinking about it. Well, I mean, the invite I didn't still come. Have your cat ears. 
I, the invite didn't even come, bro. So I don't know how you're, you know, Pope, Pope okay. comes first, well, man. I'm going to be attending, uh, you know, we love throwing our Halloween parties here. It's, uh, it's the, the event that I look forward to hosting mm-hmm. the most here at the Mahone household. Um, but I'm already going to Pittsburgh. I'm going to Peoria and I'm going to Sacramento. So I think by the time Toronto rolls around, I'll be ready for a little breather. That's three regionals. Yeah, before Halloween. That's three regionals in the next two months. I mean, less than. Yeah. So I, I'm okay with that. I'll take a weekend off. And I don't think that there's going to... Is there a new set legal for that? Is it I believe 151. I think 151 would be legal, maybe. Yeah. But that would be it. Yeah, um, yeah I, so I kind of have a cool. similar perspective, though. I'm not going to Peoria and Sacramento. More so, like, I'm spending a lot of October away because my project is going live, so I'm going to be gone for two weeks straight, and I would kind of like some time at home, and that's and I'm cool with that. Well, all that to say, the entry fee was like 107 <laughs> Canadian dollars, which translates roughly to 77 US dollars, 78 US dollars. You know what's absolutely nuts is that I'm on justinbasil.com right now looking at the price of decks. Tier one Metadex. <laughs> Garatina V Star with Comfy is $65 less than a regional registration. Gardevoir EX, $55, $20 less than a regional registration. The most expensive <laughs> deck, Lost Box with Radiant Greninja, $70, still less <laughs> than a registration. Maridon with Flaffy on the Metadex page, mind you, $55. <laughs> that seems high, I'll be honest, but. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me. It doesn't surprise me. I mean, it is crazy how cheap the game is compared to everything surrounding the game. Right. You know, I mean, compared to other, you know, other top TCGs. I mean, it's it's one of the reasons why I think we're getting a lot of influx of players from Yu-Gi-Oh! and Magic the Gathering uh, right now, just because, I mean, Pokemon's still alive and well kicking. We just, uh, you know, doubled, tripled up our prize pool for major events and the decks are as cheap as ever you know so but hey who's excited to sleeve up their Lorcana decks anyone no i'm not following the mickey mouse meta game dude i'm chilling i got my own right here <laughs> yeah dude i'm oh, i'm man. not playing the i don't know i don't i don't need to know the the ins and outs of the simba versus goofy <laughs> metagame (laughs) such a reduction bro all the Lorcana players are talking about the Pikachu versus Bulbasaur meta yeah but like people actually care about that (laughs) (laughs) I think maybe a different differentiating factor is Pokemon were always intended to do combat with each other right (laughs) right that's that's part of it whereas Flounder from Little Mermaid was never meant to do battle with, <laughs> with I don't know, Moana. Like, that's just not how it was meant to go. <laughs> so yeah, Riley, me, was, Riley see, was fitting when he said that, yeah. I see Flounder, and, and I'm already checked out, you know. <laughs> and then I see that Flounder costs $500, and I'm like, she... <laughs> <laughs> So. Yeah, I mean, I've I've said it, I've said it before. I'll say it again and again and again and again. If it's not Magic, Yu-Gi-Oh, or Pokemon, you know, in the U.S., then I wouldn't count on it. I don't know, Go man. I J- think Larkana's got it. 
I think our, no. Lorcana is going to challenge Illustrals for the number four <laughs> slot. <laughs> I'm, yeah, Illustrals I've been watching real close because I know that's just ready to spring up. But, you know, with Lorcana entering the scene. Doesn't, not a like good a time niche. to be an Illustrals fan. <laughs> what the, did Illustrals, did they stop? No, no, there's, uh, there's nothing like, cooking? we're not saying anything. We're just kind of, there's no, there's no commentary there other than news. it's not the one of the major oh. cards. Uh, I was just wondering if there was news. No news to speak right. that I know of. Okay. Alive and kicking, but you know what else is alive and kicking? It's poke. We got to get back to back on schedule, lads. Back on schedule. <laughs> For sure, regularly scheduled programming. Cool. Well, about the freeform discussion. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, hit us up if you if you got some illustrials or Lorcana decks that you want us to play, because clearly we're all super like into all of that. So. Uh, this weekend, of course, Pittsburgh Regional recording this on the 6th of September. We're sleeping up to play on the 9th. What are we feeling as we get closer to that metagame? You know, we have Obsidian Flames legal up to this point. We haven't really spent a lot of time on the podcast talking about Obsidian Flames. We haven't talked about, you know, Charizard and its impact on the metagame. So I think let's first and foremost, what is the stage that Pittsburgh is being presented with before we even like talk about like what we want to bring there and what is the field shaping up to be Jeffrey or Andrew any thoughts well I think you're looking I mean if we can base anything off of you know what happened at Worlds and then what we're seeing in response from players in the online meta um, you know we saw Obviously, Mew do extremely well. I think that's the big storyline out of Worlds. Um, but we also saw at Worlds, you know, decks like Lost Zone, Giratina do particularly well. Of course, Pram getting a top four there. Um, we're seeing that carry over somewhat into the online meta. I would say that a lot of players have looked at, you know, the Worlds finishes and taken a lot of those concepts and decks and just ported them over um, and have been playing them and rolling them online on the ladder or in tournaments. You're seeing a lot of... Lost on Giratina with high placements. You're seeing a lot of Guardi doing very well. And uh, frankly, you're just seeing a ton of Maridon as well, just creeping all over the ladder, I feel like, and all over these online tournaments. So um, Mew, I would say, is, uh, feels a little bit on the decrease. I would say decks that are on the rise would be Maridon, Lugia, and Lost on Giratina. Yeah. I'm looking at this... Uh, world's day two matchup percentages chart that uh, Mike Fouché tweeted out. And this is that, I mean, this is kind of crazy to look at looking at Arceus Giratina's like matchup percentages and day two of worlds is like absolutely abysmal. Uh, I think it's just like red, red, red box next to red box. I don't think it had a single positive matchup the entire yeah, man. field which is nuts because that was a deck heading into worlds that i mean we were all really seriously worried about arceus decks and thought highly of them though not highly enough that i don't think i was ever gonna play one or that we were really really gonna sleeve it up and bring it but after what arceus decks had been doing at naic at euic uh, to see them fall so far now, I feel like when I queue up against an Arceus deck on online, I'm like, oh, that this is going to be easier than most other decks that I that I face. 
I think that Mew stocks are on the rise, but it's hard to gauge. I mean, a new Charizard deck was just introduced into the metagame, which has a very favorable Mew matchup, but are people like actually going to bring that? Looking at JustinBasil.com, it's the most expensive deck on the list by far. A Charizard EX deck will run you, uh, what, like $125, you know, as as opposed to other $70 decks, $50 decks, right? So it's a bigger investment for a deck that's unproven in the metagame and in tournaments and things like that. Um, it's weak to some of the same... Um, the same characters that we're seeing around is weak to Path to the Peak. It's weak to Sableye. I mean, 60 hit point Pidgeys and Charmanders is really tough right now. Uh, and I think that Lost Zone Giratina is like a deck that that I've been seeing and hearing a lot about lately. And that, to me, is like the big question or the big bad heading into Pittsburgh is like, is Lost Zone Giratina that deck right now? Or is it just, you know, all talk again and then, you know, not going to show up? Yeah, I mean, I I think I would largely agree. And to me, the X factor of the weekend seems to be Charizard. You know, it seems the rest of the metagame is really more or less the same kinds of decks. It's not like Obsidian Flames had a lot of like tech cards or or anything crazy that you're throwing into your existing decks. You know, it's the existing decks that were already there at Worlds, and now Charizard is, you know, along for the ride. And I don't know, like, I'm curious if, if either of you disagree. I'm, like, very skeptical that top players are going to be bringing Charizard. I wouldn't be surprised if it's, like, a top five deck at Pittsburgh, but I also wouldn't be surprised to see it kind of, like, taper off. Uh, like yeah, that's that's kind of how I that's kind of how I'm viewing Charizard at this point. I I think there are good builds. I've certainly um, seen builds that I feel interested in um, in online tournaments or on the ladder, but it doesn't feel like a deck in the builds that I have tried that I have concocted. It doesn't feel like a deck that could win a tournament. It has a lot yeah. of positives going for it. Of course, just the card Charizard X is so nutty in a vacuum. Um, and it has that great Mew matchup. Um, and it has some other like decent matchups, but in terms of where I would compare it to decks that we currently have in the metagame, it feels like a Bax caliber level deck where, okay, yeah. sure. You might have it make a day two, you know, you might play it and you know, it, it might even make a deep run like a top 32. I don't think is, um, you know, outside the realm of possibility for Charizard decks, but it just doesn't seem like a deck that I would say with confidence could win the tournament. Yeah, it's funny that you say Vax Caliber. You know, I'm, I always like to look at the Obsidian Flames, like, or slash Limitless Aggregate decks. And both Charizard and Vax Caliber are coming in at a nice 46% win rate. <laughs> so, like, they really are just operating on the same plane. Hey, these get degrees, man. <laughs> you know what? When I'm thinking of Charizard and Baxcalibur versus the other main rare candy deck, Guardi, I think there's just a massive payoff differential of having one Guardi in play versus having one Charizard in play versus having one Baxcalibur in play. And the fact that Guardi has this really useful stage one that it like intentionally wants to route through over the course of the game. 
it just to, it, to me it seems like there's a massive discrepancy between what guardy will provide you off a of rare candy versus what these other decks will provide you off a of rare candy and i see that comparison all the time where people are like well if gardevoir is good why can't tyranitar ex be good if gardevoir is good why can't charizard ex be good like you know it's proven there could be good stage two i mean but but gardevoir is the is it's the exception it's not the rule and i think that so long as we're playing with all the very broken uh sword and shield cards in format a lot of the ex era cards are not going to have their time to really break through and shine like pidgeot ex i think is going to be a card that's like kind of right exactly what i'm talking about pidgeot ex i think is going to really take off and be that card once uh a lot of sword and shield cards rotate out of uh out of format because it's it's more on par with a slower game and a slower pace of play but Gardevoir is just so broken right now. It's got the Curulia that you evolve through. It draws you cards. You, Gardevoir EX is just the one Pokemon show where you set it up and then you have infinite you have infinite draw, infinite energy acceleration. And then on top of all of that, you can afford to be one step slower than your opponent because you've got a single prize Gardevoir that can one-hit KO anything and yeah. reversal energy to help you do it. So it's just got all of the pieces that it needs and being able to get your stage two out and then go single prize. And you can't gust my stage two uh, Pokemon EX because if you do, then I've got this fully loaded single prizer, which is coming right back to serve you another two prize knockout, right? So like you have to address the big guy, right? Which happens to be a single prize Pokemon. And it, that's, that's the pressure that Gardevoir puts on. Charizard doesn't do that. It attacks with a two-prizer every single turn. And so long as you can go two, four, six, or whatever, or if they stumble anywhere along the line, you're just going to out-trade them, right? And if they were, God forbid, they were a turn too slow to set up, you're going to out-trade them because the comeback potential is not as serious as it is in a Gardevoir deck. Yeah, and my experience largely against Charizard is you often only even have to go, like... Maybe the selling point of Charizard is that it's massive, right? It's got 330 hit points. It's hard to knock out. But my experience is largely like you only have to go through one often. Like you're yeah. KOing like yeah. an Arceus or a Pidgeot or both. Uh, you're KOing a, a Charmander or two. And like that's your game. <laughs> you know, you only have to figure out how to deal with it one time. You know, if if you could consistently guarantee your opponent how to knock out two of those, Maybe your Char Charizard deck would be better performing, but it's hard. You can't guarantee that consistently. That's like the problem in and of itself. Yes, and it's also a deck that just like really wants to see those battle VIP passes turn one. And, you know, a deck like Gardevoir's got Fog Crystal, for goodness sake. I mean, it's like, yeah, it's <laughs> got everything. It's got the level balls that you want to have four of in the deck just because it gets your broken draw card. Like, no other deck has level ball that is also a draw card, right? Because essentially in Gardevoir, you play the level ball, you get the curly, you draw two. No other deck has that, right? So yeah. Gardevoir is just that much more consistent. It's got fog crystals. It's got level balls, which are great for getting your Pokemon out and your draw engine out. No other deck has that. But 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 Andrew, I, I have my Arceus that can search out two cards from my deck, and then I will use it to set up my Pidgeot EX, which can search me out any card I want from my deck once per turn. <laughs> You're right. And none of that happens if there's a path in play. 
But yeah. as a Charizard player, how worried should I be about Path? I mean, realistically, what are the decks that are playing Path right now? We were talking about how bad Arceus Giratina was, and that was probably the primary user heading into Worlds. Um, now we have the new archetype that you know we have all created, uh, the Maridon Path, uh, as being you know we look at now as being kind of the primary Path user, but. What other decks are really playing path in high numbers? Of course, you have Mew that would maybe slot in a path. Some other random decks that might play a path or two. But how worried should you be about path? It's Tina, bro. It's Lost on Tina. Oh, and Tina. Yeah, Tina. Yeah, that's, that's the, the big one. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, that is the yeah. one. Yeah, <laughs> that's, I'm not that's, worried that's, about no. ride on path. I'm not worried about Mew with one path. It is Lost on <laughs> Tina that plays like three or four of them. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, yeah. Or maybe two. It, it doesn't matter. I mean, that deck plays can play anywhere from two to four path, and nobody knows how many you're playing, but some amount. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, again, I hate to be the, the stats guy, but like you, you pull it up and you look at Charizard versus Lost Tita, you're clocking in like 36% win rate online. That's like, obviously that doesn't represent like, the single best player of the Charizard deck versus the single best Giratina player, but that aggregate statistic is really ugly. You know, I like, stopped testing Charizard online because I was just getting absolutely throttled by the Giratina decks. I mean, I was like, this is an unwinnable matchup on multiple fronts. It's and it's not just the paths. It's not just the Sableye. I mean, they have the path, which is problematic. They have uh, a Radiant Greninja that they can attack with. If you happen to not get Manaphy out, which is also extremely bad, they also have Sableye, who, if you happen to have an unevolved Pidgey or Charmander, they're both gone. And they also have Giratina, and as you said, you usually only have to knock out one Charizard. Guess what? Giratina V-Star, boop, it's gone with the Star attack. So, I mean, that's a horrendous matchup on multiple fronts. And then 280, if you happen to have a Pidgeot in play, Tina can just knock that out. Yeah, or like a Sableye ping, like puts a Charizard in range super quick. In uh, addition to knocking out like a Charmander, it's the Arceus to play that. Tina's feasting on it. Yeah, it's. Yeah, it's like I, I'm looking through like the matchups and just trying to think through it in my head, in addition to looking at the stats. And I'm like, what are you trying? What is your day that like you're excited to have when you're playing Charizard? Probably and nine Mew day one. Nine Mew day, day, day two. Like nine Fusion Mew in particular. I, ironically, the stats aren't even favorable for DT Mew. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> it ain't so, Riley. That's crazy. I don't know. Bro. I don't know how that actually happens in reality, but because <laughs> like, you really just need the one Zard up to, to win that matchup, but. Uh, yeah, it's like it's really ugly out there. So, well, see, Mew goes turn two, judge, path. <laughs> but, I mean, then... yeah, I mean, it just wins, right? And they just like, win. like, yeah, it's. I guess it's just that nasty. And yeah, so I just I can't see I can't see it I can't see justifying playing Charizard personally. No. I think yeah, it's easier it... to justify Bax Caliber. <laughs> Literally, because at least Bax Caliber. As like the Guardy matchup to lean on, and the Lasso and Tina matchup to lean on. So that uh, begs an interesting question. Then, if you know, if we're kind of saying, okay, Mew rolled through the meta at Worlds, and now we're introducing this new archetype, Charizard presumably has like a an okay Mew matchup. You know, Riley maybe says the stats don't back it up, but uh, from my experience, well, it definitely good. does versus Fusion Mew. Sure, sure. Um, 
but you know, maybe that is not a great, a particularly great choice. Like where we, where are we thinking Mew is positioned heading into Pittsburgh? Do we think people are going to tech for it? Um, you know, how scared should you be of Mew? Like, is that a play for this, for this championship? Or are you too worried about Drapion and Spiritomb and things like that? I'm not worried about Drapion and Spiritomb. I think that I'm not, I don't want to tech from you. Do you want to tech from you? I think they're like, we all want to just be like, well, Charizard will deal with it, right? But like Charizard's not very good. And I don't think you can really depend on that. I think Mew will show up to Pittsburgh 100%. Yeah, I think Mew's actually. Burn, I think it's going to be there. Yes, I think Mew is really solid, and I think the counter stocks are a little lower right now. Uh, to be honest, I was surprised how low they were in day two of Worlds, and I don't expect them to go up from there realistically because you're coming into this blind meta where a dark type deck is like the cover card of the set. <laughs> like, are you really putting that deck space into Mew? Right, Mew is also just less popular now. Uh, than, than it was historically. Are you are you really putting in that Spirit Tomb? Are you really putting in that Drapion? Does it matter even if you do? Because, uh, you know, we can certainly attest. We played Mew at a bunch of tournaments. Does that one Drapion matter? Like, does it make the difference? Uh, Some, two Drapion a matters. It, a lot, <laughs> two Drapion can matter for sure. But does the one? Uh, so, like, I don't know. It, it feels like Mew is in a very fine position. It And, uh, especially with Charizard not living up to expectations, you know, it seems like Mew actually is kind of the sleeper pick, in my opinion, had to get to Pittsburgh. And that's interesting because another deck that I've been thinking about more lately is Intellian Urshifu, right? Uh, but that deck, I mean, it really has just a horrendous Mew matchup. And that's the thing is Intellian Urshifu's good matchups feel good, but it, I mean, just Mew is just so, like, it, it just so bad. And I've done things like putting Spiritomb in it. Even what? Am I playing two Drapion, which feels horrible if I don't play against any Muse? I just have two Drapion in the deck. And the deck barely plays any Switch cards. So if you start one of those things, then you're having a horrible time. So it's uh, it, it's been tough. I mean, Intellian Urshifu could be okay if you're playing against Guardies and Lost Boxes all day, but... Uh, I think that Mew seems like too big of a contender, personally. Yeah, I, I think Mew just seems like a, a really solid pick right now. Um, it's you bring up Inteleon Urshifu, which which I think has been generally on the rise, right, in the last week. Shinobi, I feel like you're kind of cold on that deck. Talk about sort of your experience with Inteleon Urshifu and, and how maybe it compares to the meta at large as this sort of sleeper pick on the on the up. It it's fine. I mean, I'm not gonna admonish anyone that plays Intellion Urshifu. I, I just don't think it's the deck for me, and that's okay. Like it's a good deck. It performed very well at Worlds. I mean, and it performed very well at NAIC. I mean, it, it was ninth place deck at Worlds and uh first place deck at NAIC. So I think the Worlds Cyrus was uh was Cyrus. Yes, but Cyrus not Intellion Urshifu. Oh, he played Paul. Uh, she played Paul Kia. That's right. Yes. Um, that is correct. That is correct. But uh, no, Alex got top 16. Sorry. That may be what I'm thinking of. Um, with, yeah, Alex with did the play. Sure. Um, so, you know, you're looking at a deck that, you know, has a, has a pedigree. Again, just not my deck. I think one of the main issues with it 
aside from the Mew matchup is I really don't like the Maridon matchup. Uh, and it seems weird to say, but um, I think that if I'm against an Urshfu, the issue with, which I think makes players think like, oh, it's really one-sided is like if they lose the game, it's just an obliteration because the Urshfu player gets both Urshfu VMAX up and they, you know, take quick knockouts and they rapid flow multiple times and it's just so smooth. Um, but they don't necessarily account for those games where the Urshifu player whiffs or they prize a piece. And if that, any of that happens or if they start an Inteleon or if they just don't hit a battle VIP past turn one, um, there, there are just a lot of little things that can go wrong for the Urshifu player that allow the Maradon player to run over it. So I think you have those matchups as, as being um, kind of suspect. And then you also have Lugia, which I would factor, you know, I, I would factor heavily into Pittsburgh. I think Lugia is going to be a great call for this tournament. Um, sports a lot of really strong matchups across the board and is a very good deck in best of three. So I just with those three matchups not being particularly strong, I don't love Urshfu and Talion. Again, if you're the kind of person that would play it, like by all means, go for it. Cause I think it does have a lot of great matchups, um, into those lost box decks among other things. But, um, you know, those would be my concerns taking Urshfu and Talion. All right. What about Lugia seeing, uh, Andrew Hedrick winning an online tournament this week with Lugia Archaeops? Is Lugia a deck that's still a valid call for regional championships? I feel like it showed up at Worlds, right? Did it get like a top eight or top 16 or something? Um, what's the trajectory of Lugia right now? I see Lugia as sort of the, the people's, like the layman's best deck choice in this tournament. All set Worlds. Yeah, and that's respectable. I, I see I see Lugia as, as the layman's best deck choice going to this tournament. And what I mean by that is Lugia is fairly matchup agnostic. It has a couple matchups like it really doesn't care for. Um, you know, it, it doesn't have as particularly good Maridon matchup, for example. But otherwise it you know, it has routes in basically every significant matchup we've talked about today. Um, it's a relatively straightforward strategy. You know, you're really just getting out your Archeops and swinging with these big attackers, uh, potentially for weakness. And it's, it's a reliable sort of proven archetype as opposed to, you know, newfangled messes like Charizard. So to me, it seems like Lugia, when we were talking, uh, just amongst our friend group over the last week, like Lugia has been a solid sort of backup option for for me in my mind and i imagine for a lot of players like lugia is just like a great go-to right like if i'm going to pittsburgh and i'm not sure what to play i would say lugia is like a really solid option for you it has a, a decent matchup spread it's really good against some of these like sleeper archetypes that people are talking about like inteleon and like you know what you're in for when you're getting lugia as opposed to risking it all on a stage two deck which i you know, you're playing a stage two, but it's a little bit <laughs> different. <laughs> so, um, yeah, somehow to me, Lugia seems Lugia really good. Is, yeah, somehow I think Lugia is more consistent than setting up Charizards. <laughs> I I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the the gripe with Lugia is it does have a little bit of consistency issues in the post 
rotation metagame. That's been true for the entirety uh, of the post-rotation world, but that's not really slowed it down or, or harped it in any major way. We still have the Lugia diehards that bring it to every tournament. It was the most popular deck in day one of Worlds. It tapered off in, in day two of Worlds, but um, you know, I think public sentiment is still positive towards Lugia, even though it, it didn't really show up outside of the top 16 of Worlds. Now, speaking of, uh, you know, players who, you know, who bring Lugia to every tournament, JW and Riley, are you this season going to be a player who sticks to a deck or are you going to be an Alex Shemansky and, you know, life is a box of chocolates and you never know what you're going to get? I would love to stick to one deck. (laughs) <laughs> well, to be honest, we took the coward's way out with the Mew Year, we and did. we're we're kind of like directly punished for it as Mew won the World Championships in front of us. Like we we knew on day one of the format that it was a Mew Year. <laughs> that it was and a here Mew we year. are gnashing our teeth. I know, and you know we <laughs> the cowards aren't rewarded, right? You see no. Vance Kelly driving it the whole way through, and he is he was rewarded because it was a Mew Year. So. To be honest, I, I struggle to like really commit to that. I felt I feel like there isn't a deck that screams at me in the same way that Mew did last year. It felt like super obvious to me last year that Mew was just super good and like a hard archetype to match up to. Um I don't necessarily feel as strongly about any decks this year. GW, I, I think like you're leaning towards Maridon as being your deck of the year. I personally struggle to commit to Varidon as a deck of the year. <laughs> I mean, look so. at the matchup spread, man. Yeah, you're also like, you're going to lose like Flappy midway through the year. Yeah, oh, okay. <laughs> well, I think, yes, I, I, right. If you're saying like, well, okay, with rotation, I think we'll have to choose a new deck. But sure. until then, I, I don't see, I don't see a reason that we couldn't play Mew, Lugia, Maridon, or a host of other decks. Guardy. Until. A guardy's on the table, man. Like we could easily play guardy for. It's first a deck half of the that season. I feel like I've been keeping in my back pocket, like you know, and I'm really glad that I have the reps that I have with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I feel that way about a good amount of decks right now, uh, which is a positive of the format staying the same. Is that you're like, all right, I've got all these different weapons, you know, I've got all <laughs> these different things that i could do right uh and i feel like very confident with the format uh and i could just throw anything at any point because i've got the reps that i need with them right yeah yeah and you know i so i really struggle to like kind of commit in advance but you do look at last year's season and you see a lot of people get rewarded for their dedication to archetypes you know it almost feels like just picking those solid archetypes and being experts in them is going to be more fruitful, especially with the size and scope of these tournaments, than like trying to truly metagame every single one, because um, you can't anymore to a certain extent. Like you, you just have players, to, man. You have to just get a little lucky yeah, to some extent if you're going to win an eighteen hundred regional in terms of your matchup spread, at least. <laughs> so if you're already going to get lucky in your matchup spread, you might as well play like be the best at a particular deck. So I see, I see the logic, and I, I can see why that's an appealing route. Um, I could certainly see, like, through 151, Maridon being a deck like that for me. Big basics. It's a great like, one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, 
who could ever hate like the big basic attacking deck? That's a classic strategy, tried true, like the best strategy historically. I think over the course of the entire Pokemon trading card game, like the most reliably good strategy is big basics attacking. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, he, yeah, he's right. Yeah, <laughs> man, that has so. always been good <laughs> for real. You know, you look back to the very start of the game with Haymaker. You know, you have Big Basics Garb back in the early 2010s. You have, like, Buzzwool in the, like, mid-2010s. Uh, you know, big Basic attacking deck is that guy from the Pokemon Trading now, Card Even game. in, like, the first EX era, you had, like, Zapdos, Rayquaza, Electrode, which, yeah. like, you had Electrode, but Electrode's job was just to blow up and put energy uh, on your big basics. Always, like, a stage one in there for fun. But... Uh-huh. Right, <laughs> yeah, but the attackers that's... are all basics, to be clear. Right. <laughs> yeah. There's always a stage one for fun, but the atta- oh. you're always attacker of the basic. And, you know, Maridon is, is the modern equivalent of that to me. Uh, so I said it the other week and I'll say it again, like that to me is like really the sell of Maridon is that it's really simple and straightforward and puts a lot of pressure on the opponent without having to do anything really that crazy. Like you're getting up and running so easy on turn one and two. Yeah, you compare that to, to Charizard where you have to get a rare candy evolution without a path in play to attack <laughs> on turn two. Nah, bro. See... Everybody should just play Charizard, man. <laughs> yeah, we're we're not hyping Charizard up enough. Yes, yes. Everybody should oh, play true. Charizard. Charizard, Bax Caliber. Those are the Arceus. Yeah. Play those. <laughs> Arceus, man. Arceus low key fell off. High key fell off. Now it's I just know. accessory. This podcast, this podcast is trouble because we all get aligned, bro. <laughs> <laughs> We're all haters. I know. Where's We're the dissenters? <laughs> where's the dissension? One thing that there's no dissension on, though, is our love for Manscaped. Manscaped is the presenting sponsor of the podcast, and we couldn't be more happy to partner with them to bring you the latest and greatest in men's grooming products. Riley, why don't you tell them a little bit about what you can expect from Manscaped and any of their products? Well, I'll tell you what. Last year, around this time in the season, Manscaped had come out with their Boxers 2.0, and that was an absolute tear for me as I wore those at every single regional I went to. I got multiple top 16, top 32 finishes in a row, and let me tell you, with the prize hike... You want to be clocking in those top 16 and top 32s now more than ever. So not only are you looking good, you're feeling good. And that translates to success, not just in Pokemon, but in all of life around you. I personally am also a huge fan of the Beard Hedger. Keeps me looking fresh and clean and is super portable. I'm about to be traveling for the next week. So being able to have... Uh, like a nice set of accessories that I can carry with me makes a seriously big difference in my quality of life. And the great news is at tag team, we are offering you a discount code. So GW, if our listeners are interested in checking out Manscaped and leveling up their game, heading into the regional season, what can they do? They can head on over to manscaped.com. Use code tag team 
At checkout, get yourself 20% off plus free shipping. Nobody likes to pay for shipping and you get a little bit of a discount on top of that. So head on over to manscaped.com. Use code tag team at checkout when you order your grooming products. You so much to Manscaped for supporting the cast and uh, keeping us going here. And thanks so much to you all for checking them out and making this a sustainable partnership. Okay. So we've hit a lot of points, right? We've kind of gone a lot of different directions. Uh, it, it feels like there's just so many things at, at Pittsburgh. You know, you have 1,800 players. You have all these decks that are viable. Uh, one thing that we haven't talked about a lot is Comfy. <laughs> we haven't talked a lot about Giratina outside of its its matchups relative to other decks. Uh, we haven't talked a lot about sort of the traditional Loft Zone box style of deck. You know, Giratina is, as Andrew framed at the start of the cast, the big bad in this format, right? It is the deck that people are trying to beat uh, or play at this tournament. Are we collectively soft on that strategy? Like, why is that not in the forefront of the discussion here? I've been playing it all week. I mean, on on stream. I mean, I've been grinding out games with it pretty pretty ad nauseum i mean i i've been determined to kind of decide for myself if it is that deck uh you know i've played Lawson and gudra uh to two majors this past season i could feel like i very easily could pivot to Lawson and giratina it's a deck that was always on the testing table like i've always yeah. had it built i've had it built uh all year um and it wouldn't take much to kind of like nudge me in that direction uh it's got huge one hit ko potential it's got the flexibility of sableye it's got the flexibility of you know or it's got the uh the aggression of turn one cramorant potential i mean there's a lot going on there and seeing pramawat who is a player that uh i really respect able to navigate that deck through grinding through day one and then to a top four world championship finish it makes you think like there's definitely something there. Like that is a serious deck. You do not just do all of that with a deck <laughs> that is a fluke, right? So like there is something there and it's worth looking into. And I think that that's what scares me so much about the deck. It makes me want to play it, understand it and respect it going into this weekend. Yeah. I mean, that certainly makes sense to me. JW, it doesn't, I feel like when we talk about the meta, you certainly don't bring up, the comfy decks very often as like your top choices do you have sort of a counter to that or what is your perspective i i echo a lot of what andrew said i just don't um you know there's there's only so much time i feel yeah. like you you know i would be confident playing um a giratina lost box i've played lost box decks last season played turbo lost box to a couple events played a lost box kyogre um that I probably should have won a cup with, but that's a long story. I should have, I should have won the cup if, if I hadn't used my Mirage gates unnecessarily. Uh, but anyway, um, it's a, I mean, it's an archetype that I'm comfortable with. It's not like, you know, I, I'd be coming in blind and this would be my first time playing a lost wax deck. Like I do feel good about it. Um, time worries me. Um, I, I feel like, though the matchups with Lasso and Giratina are like very strong across the board. So 
again, that's another deck that I've been like really pushing people, uh, the people that I coach, uh, the people that I've been talking to. Get your hands on Lost on Giratina, and that could just be your deck for you know, however long you need it to be, because I think it has very strong matchups across the board. When you look at it, uh, from my perspective, I think that like an individual perspective, I think that there's, um, you know, I, I feel a little bit more comfortable with other decks. I think we've been bringing up like Lugia, Guardi, uh, Maridon as being decks that I feel a little bit more comfortable with. Um, and that's just kind of where I'm at. It's more of a comfort level, not necessarily whether or not I think it's a good or a bad deck. And I, very clearly think it is very good because I've been, um, you know, touting it pretty highly to, to a lot of people that I've been talking to. Yeah. I think, I think to me, it's a combination of certainly time is, is a big factor. Um, you know, it's like, I feel comfortable with, but I also, I feel like if any deck is going to get hate towards it in terms of like people playing funky matchups or, uh, adding additional weird stuff to their deck, it's going to be Giratina, right? Like, really, the the rise of Italian Urshifu, for example, is is centered around Comfy as the main story. Uh, and Lugia Archaeops, I would argue, also has a pretty substantially good Lost Zone Giratina matchup. And that's another deck that we just, like, touted its praises uh, just before the break there. So... Um, that's not to dissuade people. I think it's a really good choice. Like the fact it warrants that kind of respect to for people to play those decks in the first place means that it's a good deck. Um, I just I just don't know if it's the one for me. I think if I was to one trick this this like next format, Giratina wouldn't be on my shortlist personally. I would just rather one trick a little bit away from like the the standard there. Yeah, I mean, I think it. I think it's a very strong deck. I think that it's a deck that's just here until it rotates. I think it's it's certainly it's got all the pieces, right? But so, what is it that you, what is it that you don't like about it? What what is? I mean, really, power yeah. levels there. What what is it? What's not your cup of tea? Is it just time invested into it? I mean, uh, I certainly have. You know, the luxury of being able to play cards all day. So, <laughs> well, <laughs> it's not even necessarily that. Like, I feel pretty confident that I would make like the right comfies. And th- it's like literally in game time is a factor. Ah, and I think that's yeah. like a 100%. much more significant factor in real life tournaments than it is online tournaments. I yeah. think that's a much more significant factor for Lost Zone decks than any other decks in the format besides maybe Guardi. Um, Though some, I feel like sometimes it's easier to get stuck and and stun locked on a comfy than it is on a like a refinement or something like that. <laughs> um, so it's just like things like that, right? That add up over the course of your your tournament. One of the really appealing things about Marina in that same spirit, um, or even decks like Lugia, is they is they are very straightforward in, in their execution. Like once you get up and running. Like those early turns, like you want to be thoughtful about your setup. You know, you might choose which supporter you're playing from your hand any given turn, uh, but you're not taking a million actions. You're 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 streamlining your game, and and I think that does make a difference. Honestly, Mew is kind of like that too. You're streamlining your game, and that makes a difference over the course of nine, fifteen rounds, uh, eighteen rounds even of a, of a tournament. Is having that like smooth, streamlined strategy. It, wears less on you you get more time between rounds um 
That was actually one of my favorite parts of playing Mew early last year is that I always had time between rounds. You know, I could always use the restroom and, I could <laughs> and refocus and recenter and be like in my A game going to the next round. And that conversely was one of my least favorite parts of playing Comfy and playing Gardevoir at some of the tournaments that we played those decks last season is that I was always like on the back foot going into the next round and like never had a chance to take a breather um, or, you know, would be like in the tie zone and maybe not getting ties, but really close to it for sure. <laughs> uh, you know, games coming down to those real drawn out wires. Um, so yeah. to me, like over the course of many tournaments, I feel like it would be more sustainable and more successful to have a, a streamlined strategy. And Giratina is anything but that, right? It, Giratina is literally every option available to it that you could possibly want in the Pokemon trading card game, which by its very nature means it's not streamlined. <laughs> so. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, the, the lines that you have to be able to see with Giratina are, I mean, it, to me, it feels like one of the more, uh, certainly it's on the spectrum of, of being more difficult to play than than most decks, right? I think we can all kind of agree with that there. So, um, you know, we, we've kind of touted like, okay, there are benefits to playing the best deck in the room. And certainly you can make a case for Giratina being the best deck period right now. Um, but that's not necessarily everything. And if you're going to play, uh, the best deck at not its full capacity, then you're almost better off playing something that you can pilot a little bit better. Well, I also just think I would agree that Giratina is probably the best deck, but I don't think it's like so overwhelmingly. So yeah, that, you know, it takes some really tough matchups, you know, it has a lot of good ones and a lot of even ones, but it's not like, it's not like it's completely dominating the field either. Um, so like for me to play the most popular deck in the room, I wouldn't want to take some of those like harder losses. I also, you know, and playing mirrors like always kind of feels like a crapshoot in these loss zone matchups, like really usually comes down to like the first Sableye, which you have some agency over, but not a lot. Um, assuming, assuming both players are like firing at it. And, and Roxanne is like RNG, right? Like, that's literally RNG. Really? Yeah. Um, you know, you could thin your deck, but at the end of the day, like, are you drawing something playable off those three cards, maybe four or five off the comfies? Like, that doesn't feel great either. And so it's never been appealing to me to play Lost Zone Giratina, like, when it's going to be the most popular deck in the room, because I don't really want to roll up and hit three Lost Zone Giratina mirrors in, in day one of a tournament. Well, I think that was, like, the brilliance in Pram's call to play it was that he kind of understood its power level and also correctly identified that he wasn't going to be playing one every single round uh, and that he was going to kind of have his pick of of matchups and and have the ability to outmaneuver a lot of opponents. So, And that, and that's how he did it, right? But uh, then you have to deal with the fallout of what you've done, right? So how do we respond to what has happened at Worlds? For sure. I mean... It, to some extent, it feels like people aren't respecting what hap the world's results like at all, right? Because I don't feel like Mew. I sung Mew's praises hard earlier in the cast, and I feel like people don't really respect Mew in no, aggregate right I don't now. Either. Yeah, you know, you're not. I really don't expect to see a lot of Drapions and Spirit Tombs in people's decks. Um, and Mew seems really, really good right now. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I think. Uh, 
and this I feel like this happens every year. Like the world championships came and went and people like kind of forgot it happened and like are just laser focused on whatever they're doing. <laughs> and granted, there is a new set out, so it's easier to kind of like to justify that in your own mind as you're like prepping. Um but I, I would not be like you could see a top four that looked similar to that world's top four in terms of like matchups, and I would like not really be surprised, you know, with multiple views oh, yeah. and a and a Giratina and a Guardi. Like that would be totally reasonable to me. Hundred percent. So yeah, I, I it's it's just an interesting landscape that we're setting out. I I think in large, like Giratina will will be the most popular deck. I think, and that's why I would recommend to the layman to play Lugia personally. You know, I think it's got a good Giratina matchup. I think it's got solid matchups across the board, uh, and ironically, it also has a good matchup against Inteleon, which is like the Giratina counter deck. Um, yeah. So that seems like kind of the one pace ahead. You know, GW, you've always been touting the two paces ahead mentality, right? Uh, I almost wonder as well, like if the two paces ahead mentality gets harder to justify when tournaments are this large. Um, I, I I stay by. I think Lugia is like the layman's pick. I, I think Maradon Flaffy is kind of my number one right now, just because of the it's the deck that we just ran at Worlds to good success. It feels like it's still got a good position into this meta um, because the meta isn't really substantially changing. Um, I'm looking at Lugia's matchup spread, and gotta tell you, yeah. it's appealing, right? Yeah. It's very appealing. Oh, yeah. Yes, no. <laughs> yes, of, a lot of good numbers there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You take like one suspect matchup into Maridon, but you can still beat it since you're playing the Stone Turner. Um, you throw up that, you know, if you get your ideal uh, turn two, you can beat anything. So. Yeah, Lugia, I mean, it's it's certainly a deck that I could see switching to, like, the night before. Um, again, we all have all kind of said, well, that's a deck that we're either considering or it's, like, our back pocket deck. Um, and I think a lot of players, again, like you were saying, Riley, are going to just default to it as being, okay, I don't know what other people are going to play, but I'm going to bring this. Yeah. So, I think it's the deck of the people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Into pit. I think Maridon is still my number one personally but i think lugia is is the deck of the people there you go i was uh entertaining some chat about the format in general i mean people watch streams all day watching the pokemon trading card game live you're gonna see a lot of the you're gonna see a lot of similar decks right i mean you're gonna see the meta decks i mean and eh, a lot of people don't want to they, they want they want diversity you want to see more right but you know try to explain there's like 10 good decks in the Pokemon TCG, like really good decks in the Pokemon TCG right now, which is a lot for yeah. any format. And I feel like the decks are all reasonably balanced and there's a lot of interesting counterplay between them. And yep. uh, I actually, you know, I, I think this meta is like good and healthy and, and fun and, and certainly a place where, and this is what my recommendation would be to anyone going to a regional championship is to just play the deck that you're the most comfortable with. And I really do think that of the top, you know, collection of decks, uh, that if you're just playing the deck that that you know the best, you're probably going to have the best results with that. Yeah, I would agree with that, um, especially. I feel like in the last you know year, more than ever, like the post-rotation, it's been a relatively 
free-form sort of field where like people are rewarded for just playing the decks that they're comfortable with and, and being you successful. You see it across the board. Yeah, you do. I mean, you see players like Tord's going to play Gardevoir. You see players like, you know, Azul was going to play Lost Box pretty much every single tournament. Uh, and you saw... Um, uh, Reagan playing just Lugia every every single tournament, right? And uh, and then you know Reagan switches off Lugia and goes to Bax Caliber at Worlds, bro. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, you had your deck, bro. You should have stayed true. You know, well, that's Caliber what we were saying about you. saying about me. Yeah, exactly. So, exactly. You know, so I guess tough. then. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Well, I was gonna say so. If Andrew, if your one piece of advice to to folks going to Pittsburgh is to folks going to Pittsburgh is to play their like comfort like number one in their heart of hearts deck, I'm curious like GW, what is your number one piece of advice for everybody listening who's going to Pittsburgh? I'd say bling out your deck to the max extent. <laughs> yeah, get the, that's what I would say without a doubt. Make sure in there. Make sure you get your blinged energies. Make sure you get your, uh, you know, stamped prize pack promo, shiny promos. Make sure that you have the gold, the alt arts. That would be when my you're done with your deck. Fullgripgames.com is always buying. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great advice, JW. Thank you. Thank Very... you. Very normal behavior. <laughs> Super good. Uh, yeah, I think mine would kind of piggyback off Andrews, and that's like, don't spend the entire night before like trying to overly metagame uh, an eighteen hundred person tournament and freaking out. Like, you honestly get more value out of locking in your deck at eight p.m. and going to sleep. <laughs> like, uh, being fresh and rested going to these tournaments makes a huge difference. Uh, so please, like, I would prioritize that over, like, getting that swap into some crazy anti-meta choice <laughs> any day. You don't want to be going in with your crazy, you know, take a ton deck on two hours of sleep. Trust me. <laughs> so it, I think if we sum all that in aggregate... It's pick your favorite deck, lock it in in advance, bling it out to the max, and rest <laughs> easy, knowing that you're going nine zero with your crazy player rewards blinged out deck. So absolutely, <laughs> I can't think of a better way to to close out that story than with that. Well, that's great. Thank you guys all so much for listening. We're so excited to uh, meet you or see you again in Pittsburgh. Please do make sure to come up and say hey. Absolutely. And hey, I'll sign your flounder if if you ask me to. <laughs> yeah, don't show me yeah, don't show me your goofy deck, dude. I'm not trying to see it. <laughs> I'll sign I'll sign flounders. I, I won't sign any other cards though. So <laughs> yeah, so thank you guys all so much for listening. Uh it's it's been a pleasure and uh as always looking forward to next week. Yeah, so if if you want to keep up, make sure to follow us on social media. You can find JW at Real John Walter. You can find myself at Smouth Riles, Andrew at Enjoy Friend, and the podcast at Tag Team Pokemon. We record live every single week at twitch.tv slash righteous. Make sure to check out Andrew's content on Twitch at Tiki Dim as well, if you haven't already. 
And with that, we are so excited for Pittsburgh. We can't wait to see you there or catch you on the next episode next week. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time. Peace. See you. See you.